Hey everyone, Jeff Cross here, your host of Friends with Employee Benefits. Uh, you know what, we had a really great conversation with Megan Stokes, who's the Vice President of Clinical Consultation, Design and Delivery Services at a company called Guide and Thrive, uh, which is powered by BHS. And uh, you, you're really gonna love this conversation. It's so timely. It's always timely, actually. We're, we're talking to Megan about uh, mental health in the workplace. Uh, we get into EAP programs and, and uh, getting the most out of those EAP programs and what employers can do to, to promote and leverage those programs. Um, and, and we just talked a lot about the things that, that uh, that in the past haven't been talked a lot about in the workplace. And so uh, you got to listen. It's a great content and I think you're going to enjoy. So uh, here it is. Well, Megan, thank you for, for joining the podcast. We're really happy to have you. And before we get into the meat of it, why don't you uh, share with us what Guide and Thrive slash DHS does and how your role plays into that? Sure. Thanks, Jeff. Happy to be here. Um, well, my role, I'm Vice President of Clinical Services. And so really at BHS, what we do is we are a really a workforce um, performance partner. So we really are focused on the mental well-being of organizations' employees so that we can really make sure that they're bringing their best selves to work and understanding all that goes into and makes someone be their best within the workplace. And um, my role really just ensures that when individuals do reach out to us, my clinical team is really just providing them with some extraordinary experiences because especially with you know, mental health issues, when you finally pick up the, the phone and ask for help, you wanna make sure that you're taken care of, you have that amazing experience so that you talk about it and share it with others so that hopefully you know, others will use us and word of mouth will spread. So that's my role is just really overseeing that and ensuring we take care of our people the way that we promise. I noticed on your website a, a, a phrase or term, a, a mentally healthy workplace, mm -hmm. and that really jumped out at, at me. So can you expand on that a little? What does, what does that mean, and how can mm -hmm. employers achieve that uh, mm -hmm. mentally healthy workplace? I think that when I say mentally healthy workplace, and we put that on our website, it's around, you know, creating a workforce, a workspace um, where individuals feel like they can be open and honest around their struggles related to mental health and, you know, where it's okay to not be okay. And they don't view it as, you know, if they're struggling or if they're in distress, then it's a career ender or it's something that's going to be viewed as punitive. But thus, for individuals to feel actually safe saying that in the workplace and you know being able to be connected to the resources that are available to them it used to be like it was a taboo like you wouldn't you wouldn't ever think oh you know i'm going to talk in the workplace or with my coworkers about a, a, something i'm struggling with mm -hmm. behaviorally or mentally yeah. and uh, sounds like that's changed it, it really has. And when you think about it, right, Jeff, like we're, we're with the people that we work more than we're, than our families sometimes. And so, you know, if something's impacting us personally, it's going to show up in the workplace. It's going to show up in your interaction with colleagues. And so we need to 
create these workplaces and these environments where we are able to really identify when somebody is struggling or create it so that they do feel comfortable sort of raising their hand and asking for help. Because, you know, many times there's a stigma related to mental health. And if we can do something to kind of mitigate that in the workplace, that's when we can try to get ahead of things rather than wait until it becomes a crisis. How does an employer do that? You know, I think what I what I have been pleased to see over the last year is that workplaces finally understand their role with all of this. And, you know, what I think is the best place to start is really top down, like being able to invest in our leaders to have the skills to say, how can I contribute to creating this kind of environment? What role can I play to be a good role model in talking about mental health and being proactive and you know, even sharing self-care strategies. You know, we look to our leaders to kind of set this stage and they have to feel comfortable talking about mental health. And in order for them to feel comfortable talking about mental health, they, they have to feel comfortable and confident in engaging in a conversation, which is around skill building. And that's really what my workplace has been focused on providing to organizations you know, over this, you know, past year specifically, but what we've been doing, you know, ever since our existence, just because it's really our mission. And, but what has been so great over this last year is that, you know, COVID in my mind was like, and 2020 was like the mental health awakening we've all been waiting for. And now it's here, people are talking about it. People have sort of this fire under them to do something about it. And I think it starts with training our leaders to how, what, what role can they play to really create this environment for our folks. Leaders and then, and then I would imagine frontline managers. So is, is training yep. of kind of frontline managers an, an important part of creating this culture, this, this mentally healthy workplace? Absolutely. You know, starting starting from your, your leadership members, then it's down to our people managers who really are interacting with individuals on a regular basis. Because again, like we have an opportunity to really see how someone might be impacted, like be able to recognize those signs and symptoms that someone is in distress and struggling and maybe trying to handle it on their own. But you know, instead of ignoring it, instead of sort of turning a blind eye to it, really training these managers in, you know, what to do, what to do when you do see something, how to engage, what, what to say to an individual, and what resources are out there to get them connected to, uh, so that they know that there is, there is support out there and that they're not alone. Yeah. Megan, you've talked about you know, sort of training leadership or, or encouraging leadership to be looking out for their employees, but who's looking out for the people on the leadership team and the executive leadership team? Like, you know, are, are they typically low utilizers of these benefits that they're trying to promote their employees to be using? They are. And I always say like when we're having these conversations or we doing these trainings, like, you know, a term I started utilizing when I was having these conversations was you need to think of yourselves as caregivers, not just a manager, not just a supervisor, but you're actually a caregiver. And I think not many of us would think of our manager or supervisor as a caregiver, but you know, I think a lot of us are experiencing 
compassion fatigue, caregiver burnout, because of we are dealing with everything ourselves personally, and we're responsible for watching out for our people. And that is a heavy pressure to have on your shoulders right now. And so part of training our managers and our leaders is about first recognizing that we have to take care of ourselves and invest in our own self-care before we can expect to watch out for others. And I always use the analogy, put your oxygen mask on first before you help someone else, because there's just no way that we have the energy to take care of others if we're exhausted ourselves. And by really investing in protecting our mental health, we can become good role models to our people by, you know, acknowledging when we're struggling and have some of that transparency that our people are looking for to say, you know, it's not it's not a bad thing to say that we're struggling, but to say, oh, you know, my supervisor said that he was struggling himself and he utilized this great resource. It just, again, it builds that trust. It builds that open and safe environment that we're all looking to achieve right now. Uh, let, let's shift a little bit here, Megan, and talk about employee assistance programs. For a long time, these programs have been underutilized by employers and their employees. So has COVID affected that at all? Yes, absolutely. I think we know when when COVID first started, I think everyone was really just needing to sort of jump into action and figure things out. And so we actually saw maybe even a little bit dip in utilization because life was happening. But, you know, after things sort of just people got into place, people knew what had to be done. Um, that's when the phone started ringing. That's when people started to kind of get through that initial sort of crisis of being like, okay, I had to get through this. Now I can kind of have the time to fall apart a little bit. And that's when they started asking for help. And so we've seen, you know, a dramatic increase in utilization. And I, but I do think it's different in terms of, you know, having an EAP that really is focused on really being a partner with the organization and figuring out what type of promotion and programs does the organization need um, and really trying to look at how we can customize our approach is going to speak better to your people. It's going to be more relatable. It's going to resonate. It's going to sort of prompt people to want to pick up the phone rather than just more of like a cookie cutter. Here's the phone number. So I think that's really what people need to look for right now. If you really want a great resource for your people, find that program, find that partner that's really going to you know, be in alignment with you in terms of how are we going to get your people to engage? We know people are struggling right now. We just have to figure out the right engagement method to make them pick up the phone. What's the most unique or, or interesting or bold thing you've seen an employer do to incentivize or promote the usage of, of EAP? I think a lot of times organizations are still just checking the box for having EAP services. They want to say that they have one, they want to, they want to make it available, but it's the organizations that whenever something is impacting them, pick up the phone and call us and to give us an opportunity to hear, you know, what's impacting your team today and how can we respond? What's the best way to respond? Like that offers us that true partnership. It allows people within the organization to view us as part of them, um, which I think makes a big difference in terms of their comfort level of engaging with us. You know, if, if we are a partner that 
is there any time that there's a crisis? Is there any time that there's a change? Like they're going to see that consistency. They're going to see that level of trust that the organization has with us and feel more comfortable saying, okay, you can help me now because my organization trusts you. I trust you. And I just think that has been the biggest, um, I think, impact in terms of, you know, organizations that really see the value and those that don't. There are, there are employers who have uh, well-being programs where they have wellness points that people can yes. accumulate, right? And have you ever seen an employer include EAP usage as a way to actually get wellness points that would have some sort of reward or incentive attached to them? Mm-hmm. I am seeing customers, organizations say that different self-care activities are more on the emotional side or attendance going to a stress management program or, um, you know, any, anything that's just more emotional well-being based is now starting to get some face time in these programs because, you know, organizations understand the importance of it and we can't just focus on our physical health. It's really all connected. And so I think, um, that's really, that's really, really great. And I think that right now, that's something that we need to be promoting to our employees because they need to understand what skills are there to build back up their resilience. Because in order for us to keep on going and to keep on being able to deal with all of life's stressors that are really like thrown our way after the year that we've had, we have to recharge. We have to have that energy to kind of keep going. And if we don't, that's when we're going to experience burnout. Yeah. Employers will incentivize people to get their annual physical or colonoscopy or mammogram or whatever, right? Why, why wouldn't you then, if, if mental health is just as important as physical health and, the two, and, and they're, they're connected, obviously, why not also incentivize the, the, those um, things that, that help uh, mentally and emotionally? Oh, yeah. And I, that, that makes me remember, Jeff, like one of the things that I, I think has been a little bit more groundbreaking has been certain organizations of ours have now promoted an annual mental health checkup with us. And to say, just like you were just saying there, like you go in for your annual physical, why not have an annual check-in with a clinician just to kind of say, and sort of set the foundation for where are you at right now? What are you doing to take care of yourself? Maybe where are some of those gaps that we can help build upon? Um, But I think that's a great way to be approaching mental health. Again, you're getting in front of it. You're not waiting until you're struggling, Mm -hmm. but you're saying before you get to that point, because we're all going to struggle at some point or another, what can we do now to increase our chances that we get through that productively and in the best way possible. Um, and so that we can just adjust and adapt when we are sort of throwing the curveballs that life likes to throw at us. So are there some best practices around that, around you know how a, an employer can, can leverage their EAP and, and get people engaged and to use that, that benefit and that resource effectively? You know, you have to speak the language of your people and you have to find what's impacting them and then offer a resource that's going to provide assistance with that. And I think just understanding your organization is a great first step. Yeah. So how do you actually identify what's top of mind with your employee base? Mm hmm. 
I think it looks a little different for every organization. I think a lot of times I've been offered an opportunity to come in and talk to frontline managers and um, CHROs or the benefits team or even executive leaders to say, what's bubbling up? What's getting to you all? What, what are you dealing with on a regular basis? Because, you know, part of the stress in the workplace right now is all of our people leaders and people managers, instead of being able to focus on the job that they have to do, they have to instead be supporting their people right now. And, you know, when things are bubbling up because there's no program in place to take care of all of those individuals, it's going to go to somebody. So those are the people we want to understand, like what's getting to your desk? What then is your struggle to be able to respond and engage with them and be able to do what you need to do to take care of them? So we learn about topics from that perspective. Um, and also there's different organizations that have um, communication channels like asking, doing surveys and just having an opportunity to ask their people, you know, what do you need right now? What are you struggling with? Um, there's been a lot of surveys around returning to the office. So I think that's a great opportunity to be gauging how people are feeling right now and to understand what do we need to be including in our return to office plan and part of you know the consideration for our communication strategy as well in a survey you can you could ask i guess particularly if it's anonymous uh you know what what are, what are your three main sources of, of stress and anxiety right now that and in addition, like what, what are the things that you want to learn more about or what would you be most interested, what type of program would you be most interested in attending, like something on sleep hygiene or um, stress management or resiliency building, like ask, ask your people, you're going to get those that, you know, are going to feel comfortable enough sharing and, you know, if you give a variety of sort of open ended questions or more sort of like scaling or check boxes, then you have an opportunity to kind of get everybody's opinion. Is part of that understanding kind of looking at the 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 baseline, looking at the numbers or the, the utilization and the statistics around are my employees using EAP and for what and should yeah. employers be looking at that? Yeah, I think that they should be looking at, you know, your utilization reports of, of those current resources that you do invest in for your people. I think another great place to be looking for data is just your medical claim information. Right now, organizations are sharing that, you know, anti-anxiety medications are up, mm -hmm. um, you know, sleep medications are up. Um, even looking at the data for your leave management to say what percentage of those that took leave were attributed to mental health right now. Like that's, that's all really good data. And, you know, we have to make it actionable. We can't just, you know, sit on it and, you know, have it be there as just a data point, but let's do something about it. Let's use it as a conversation starter to, you know, even share with our employee base to say, look, this is what's happening right now. So let's talk about this more. Let's, let's um, think about different programs so that we know and can get in front of this instead of just being reactive to how we're feeling. Let's start talking with our people around what they can be doing to protect their mental health and take a more active role in that. Because I think sometimes people think, how they're feeling is just inevitable. There's nothing that they can do to really um, 
you know, prevent them from getting to the point of burnout or prevent them from experiencing some of these symptoms of, um, you know, burnout that we've all experienced after this past year. But I think that giving them the skills to, to play a more active role really can make a big difference. Yeah, and it's not going to, we're not going to solve these problems overnight, obviously. Mm -hmm. It takes time and a continued effort and ongoing effort. Um, mm -hmm. Megan, so in addition to, you know, open communication and creating this environment that, that makes people understand they can, it's okay to talk about it and get help when, when they need help. Mm -hmm. And then off, and then, uh, you know, getting a good EAP program in place. Mm -hmm. uh, what other things can employers do to support their employees' mental health? Any other suggestions? Hmm. Um, I think just in general, having having this open environment, and I and I want to just make sure I say this because many times as managers, as leaders in an organization, you know, a lot of times we find success and satisfaction out of being problem solvers and sort of just wanting to fix problems. And sometimes I think that people stray away from having these kind of conversations around mental health because there is no way for you to solve this problem. You know, many times like there is just not one answer that you can really do something about. However, at least engaging in a conversation can show an individual employee that you care. And many, many times that's all they need to make the biggest impact and give them the motivation they need to follow through with something that you've recommended in terms of a resource. So I know that we keep on coming back to like this whole training and how to have these conversations, but, you know, it really makes such a huge impact. And, um, you know, even just raising awareness amongst your management team to say, you know, this is happening in our world today. Don't turn a blind eye to it. You know, the next time that you see X, say something, see something, say something, don't ignore it. Because if we ignore it, it grows and it becomes something that's more difficult to respond to and to manage. But if we can catch things early, you know, if we can give our people the resources that they need, give them the support and the acknowledgement that they're that they're looking for, um, we we really can make a big difference. So are there employers that would do something like, uh, I'm just sort of spitballing here, but like literally on-site um, stress management programs or workshops mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. bring a yoga instructor in once a week mm -hmm. and, and let Pete in, you know, free free yoga classes. I mean, can employers do, do employers do that? Could they, mm -hmm. should they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, they do, they should, I think all of the above, right? But what I have found over the past year that has been really um, instrumental that is really embedding behavioral health advisors within the organization so that not only are they there to consult with the organization and the leaders around how can you build this safe environment for folks and how do you engage in these conversations, but they're also there to be kind of the face of the program and to, to be able to provide those skill building seminars, both remotely and on site and also one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions. You know, I think one of the key things to really say that you have a successful program that people are engaging with is to offer 
variety and variety in terms of, you know, how can you interact with different programs on an individual basis, a group basis, um, and also just what are the ways to engage in terms of access. And I think that the more people see an individual as part of your culture, that trust is going to build and that's going to allow people to feel more comfortable engaging. So I think that's a great way to get the engagement that you're wanting to really address all of the struggles people are dealing with right now. Megan, have we missed anything that you wanted to talk about today? I don't think so. This is, I feel like we've really run the gamut of everything that we're doing within the workspace. So thank you for this. Yeah, well, I'm not going to let you go yet because all, all of our podcast guests, they uh, we ask a few rapid fire questions before we let them Okay. Um, so are you ready for that? I am. Uh, would you prefer to do laundry or dishes? Dishes. Should the toilet paper roll go over or under? Under. What's the favorite? What's your favorite TV show that you're currently binging? Ooh, 24. That's an oldie but goodie. You know what's interesting? I'm not supposed to add commentary here, but but <laughs> I just started rewatching that again as well recently. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Okay, Megan, if you won the lottery tomorrow, let's call it the Powerball, like big money. Like, okay. You know, um, uh, what's the first thing you'd do? Go on a trip. Mm-hmm. Any particular place? Oh my gosh, somewhere warm with crystal blue blue water, and I would not bring my children. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we won't tell them. Okay. And lastly, our theme at One Digital this year is rise. Um, and, you know, we talked about this. We all w- went through and are still going through some really challenging times uh, through 2020 and the beginning of 21. So how, Megan, are you personally going to rise in 2021? Mm, I love that. I have been talking and thinking a lot about reflecting back on this last year and saying, not just focusing on how it was so difficult and all the different struggles we had to go through, but what have I learned from it and how have I grown? And I wanna really view it as what what opportunities am I gonna continue to build on in 2021 from those lessons I took from 2020. And I think that's really my focus and, and really my goal for 2021 is just use those things that I really, you know, found out about myself in 2020, what I didn't, what I didn't think I could ever do, but I did. And I actually was pretty good at it. I'm going to keep on doing, keep on investing in and hopefully rise to the occasion. Awesome. Thank you again, Megan, for joining us today. As always, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. This has been another episode of Friends with Employee Benefits. <laughs>